0: Welcome back to the Locks On Diamondbacks podcast. And if you're here to preview the next series against the New York Mets, well, you've come to the right place. We're breaking it all down next.
1: You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On um, there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos in my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Lockdown Diamondbacks about Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle, and I'm sorry if my nose, if I sound nasally, my nose is completely clogged, my allergies are completely effing me up today, so I com- I apologize if I sound nasally on the pod, I'm going to try to fight through it, but on today's pod... I want to preview the series against the Mets. And then we got part two with Brett Wheelhouse of Lockdown Astros talking about the rotation. What's up with Lance McCullers? We talked about the whole Carlos Correa fiasco. Could we be going through this again next offseason? So we got a whole bunch I want to talk to you guys about today. But I first need to say thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. But now let's preview that series against the New York Mets because this will not be an easy series. The New York Mets have been a pretty good team so far to start the year because they made a ton of huge moves during the offseason. We know they got Max Scherzer, one of the best players in baseball. They traded for Chris Bassett. Got old friend Starling Marte, but that wasn't the only old friend the Mets picked up this offseason. As they also got Eduardo Escobar, Fogo Power, who's off to a pretty nice start for the New York Mets. I mean, batting 263, over 1,000 OPS. He leads the National League with eight walks, a triple as well. A pretty nice start for the season for Eduardo Escobar but This series is really important for two reasons, and the first reason I want to talk about is Zach Gallen because he's expected to make his debut for the 2022 season on Saturday. Friday, we got Zach Davies versus Chris Bassett. I'm nervous for that game, because Bassett was phenomenal in that first start for the New York Mets, allowed zero earned runs, struck out eight, but Davies wasn't too bad. Just got in trouble with two outs, so hopefully he can clean those things up. But I I probably would lean loss for the D-backs on Friday, but I think the d backs can definitely win Saturday morning's game. I almost said Saturday night, but the game is going to be at 1010 a.m. Mountain Standard Time because on Saturday, we got Zach Allen making his 2022 debut against Carlos Carrasco, who is also working his way back from injury, really didn't pitch last season, if at all. And he looked good in his first start, five strikeouts, 159 ERA looked really comfortable in that first start, I respect Carrasco a lot, and I think he's a really good pitcher, and I think that was a pretty underrated guy to get back in that Lindor deal last offseason, but Saturday is all about Zach Gallen because we know he's the ace of the staff, and we haven't seen what he looks like with Brent Strom coaching him up, can Zach Gallen get to another level? We might not see it in the start on Saturday, but if we can at least see a guy go out there and... Five innings, 85 pitches with five strikeouts, maybe one or two earned runs. I would be pretty happy with that debut from Zach Allen. It doesn't go, have to go out there and be the ace Zach Allen like we've seen those first couple years on the D backs. But if he pitches in that first start, like how Merrill Kelly pitched in his first start against the San Diego Padres, I would be very happy with that outcome. In his career, Zach Allen has three career starts against the New York Mets with a 3 1 8 year, right? It's about 17 innings pitch. He's He's got 11 strikeouts, or excuse me, he's got 11 walks to 19 strikeouts, so that's not a great ratio, but 19 strikeouts is a ton. He just also has problems, he, he's had problems with command for some reason against the New York Mets, so hopefully with Brent Strom by his side, he will clean up those command issues against the New York Mets, because you do have to watch out for this offense. I didn't even mention Mark Canna, who they also signed this past offseason. That Mets team is loaded, and you cannot take them for granted. So I don't need Zach Allen to look like the 2019-2020 Zach Allen, but if he can look like Merrill Kelly in that first start we saw this year, I would be pretty happy with that outcome because this is someone with the D-back season, the way it started, if we get a good Zach Allen performance, I think it could help give confidence to the other players and maybe jumpstart this season for the D-backs because they desperately need it. But the second thing I want to talk about, the second biggest thing storyline or narrative i'm watching heading heading into this series that could really jumpstart the d-back season is carson kelly who is off to a to just a terrible start not by just d-back standards not by national league standards by major league baseball standards by catcher standards because of all catchers in major league baseball right now with at least seven at bats just seven at bats carson kelly is the only one without a hit And I don't really understand why he doesn't have a hit yet. I mean, I don't think he's looked terrible at the plate. I got some numbers to illustrate how he's been at the plate so far. Because from the eye test, I I can't really tell you, is there something in his swing? I'm I'm not the break it down guy. I'm not hitting Ninja. I'm not pitching Ninja. So I don't know what's going on with that swing. I can only look at the stats and what it tells me. So. When I look at the hard contact rates with Carson Kelly, they're actually up this season, hard hit percentage, exit velocity, basically the best in his career right now in this small sample size. So it's not like he's not hitting the ball hard. The stats tell you he's doing that exactly. The biggest issue probably for Carson Kelly is he's chasing too many pitches. His chase rate is a career high right now. And some of that's the fact that he's over on the season. Like The more at bats you go without getting hit, the more likely you are to not play your game and put unnecessary pressure on yourself. So I think the chase rate is a combination of him just probably swing at pitches. He shouldn't. And also the fact that the longer he goes over, the higher that rates going to go, but his swing percentage at strikes is right around with his career norm. So Even though he's also swinging at pitches more outside the strike zone, he still recognizes what a strike is, and he's swinging at those pitches. I think the biggest issue, really, if you go even deeper than just the chase rate, is the contact percentage on balls outside the strike zone. Because, listen, not every hit you get is off. Uh, a fastball down the middle there's gonna be a lot of pitches where you gotta go down poke it maybe it's on the outside but you go down and you poke it and you lift it for a single or maybe you chase that high fastball and you smash it for a home run like not every pitch you hit for a hit or a home run is going to be in the strike zone and right now on contact percentage on balls or pitches outside the strike zone Merrill Kelly or excuse me Carson Kelly the last three years in the D-backs uniform has been around 64%. Around 64% of the time, he's made contact with a pitch outside of the strike zone. This season, that has cut in half to 33%. His expected percentages, expected batting average, expected slugging percentage, not just the worst in his career, some of the worst in baseball. So for Merrill, I almost said Merrill Kelly again. For Carson Kelly, I gotta we got to figure out a system for these two Kellys. For Carson Kelly... He needs to do a better job of making contact with pitches outside the strike zone. Maybe he needs to stop chasing those pitches, but whatever the combination is, Carson Kelly is just not playing like himself. He just does not look confident at the plate. I don't think it's really in I don't think it's an issue with his swing think it's more of an issue with his confidence. And like we've talked about with Brett Wheelhouse of Lockdown Astros on yesterday's pod, this is kind of extended spring training right now. So it's still early in the season. He's like 0 for 15 on the year. But if he starts getting hot, you know, three straight games with a base hit where maybe he gets... If he has three straight games with maybe at least two hits, his batting average could all of a sudden jump to the best on the team. Like if he finishes this series... All of a sudden, on the year he's six for 25, like all of a sudden, he's probably gonna have the best batting average on this D back squad. So, Carson Kelly, he's got the offensive profile to be one of the best offensive catchers in baseball and be a real contributor to this lineup, like not just be a good offensive catcher, but be just a good offensive baseball player all around, like a guy that could bat 275, maybe around 20 home runs, around 90 RBIs. Carson Kelly can be that guy because we saw it back in 2019, but have we seen it since? That is the biggest question us d backed fans have, especially when you tie in that Paul Goachman trade with his partner in crime, Luke Weaver. Both of those guys seem to have peaked in 2019. I think Carson Kelly has flashed a lot more since then than Luke Weaver, but they still have a lot of similar questions. And for Carson Kelly, I still think this season is not as much of a make or break or of a pressure season as a Luke Weaver, but you still want to see him perform well. You still want to see him get No, somewhere close back to those 2019 levels, and maybe can start this weekend against the New York Mets. You're gonna go against some good pitching with Chris Bassett and Carlos Carrasco on the mound, but Carson Kelly can be that dude, he can go on a tear to start the season last year. You could have made the argument that first month of Diamondbacks baseball, Carson Kelly was the D-backs best offensive player, and we just haven't seen that guy since his injury, I want to say, last season. So Carson Kelly, I hope you can get back to form that we saw in the beginning of the 2021 season, the guy we saw in the 2019 season, because that dude is a stud offensive player, and the D-backs lineup desperately needs that guy. Now, we'll talk to Brett Wheelhouse about where is Lance McCullers in this Astros rotation and is the rotation even good enough to make another World Series run? Well, if you want to bet on the Houston Astros making the World Series, just go to betonline.net because betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. And thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked on Now podcast, recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts, taking fans through the season like no other network, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into that conversation with Brett Wheelhouse of Lockdown Astros. Now, Brett, I do want to ask you about Carlos Correa because you mentioned how much Aaron Judge into the Yankees. And I've done a couple crossovers with Sully Baseball. We've talked about Carlos Correa because he truly believes he's like the heartbeat of the Houston Astros. At least he was, you know, last season when he was there. But how do you feel about Carlos Correa leaving? Do you think... He is that important. Do you think he is the dude that was the glue that held the fabric together of the of, of the Astros organization? Or do you're like, uh, yeah, I love Carlos Correa, but even though he's gone, I think the Astros are still going to be World Series contenders.
1: Yes, I think they're still World Series contenders. Um, you, That's a really hard question to just give a straight answer to. It's mm-hmm. kind of like an onion. It's got layers. It's loaded. You, yeah, it is. Because, you know, no matter what I say – listeners of this podcast are going to be upset at me one way or another. So I, I'm just going to have to go and say, here's the deal. Yeah. um, right here. Look at this. We, we got great listeners. Edward throws it up there. Carlos Trey is batting two eleven um for his two and four twins.
0: Well, Edward <laughs> so also are... doesn't. Yeah. Edward also doesn't <laughs> believe Ketel Marte is an established superstar. Forced an MVP that. voting in
1: 2019 and go check his numbers last year. He was a league leader in almost every stat. So games, I sir. saw that. And I purposely didn't mention it because I didn't want to upset you at the at the early part of the show. I, but I, I saw you eyeing that comment. Um, mm-hmm. But here's oh, yeah. the deal. The intangible part of Carlos Correa's game can't be replaced. Mm-hmm. The platinum glove winning Carlos Correa can't be replaced. But they believed so much in Jeremy Pena that they did not up the ante or offer Carlos Correa anything after the lockout. And Robert Flores from MLB Network was on our show and told us, I know for a fact they didn't offer anything to him, even though they said they did. And they have a lot of faith in this Jeremy Pena kid. Now, I know know it was one series. and I know he didn't do as great this series against him. He still hit the ball really hard. And this kid's got an elite glove. He's got potential to be an all-star at shortstop. Maybe not a platinum glove, but we don't need him to be. We need him to be Jeremy Peña. And I think because of Altuve, because of Bregman, because of Gurriel, because of Maldonado, Brantley, those guys right there, the seasoned veterans. Then you got your Tuckers and you got your Jordans. This team is built to withstand that. And the Astros, they didn't want to. I mean, everyone's like, well, they should have taken at least a flyer and paid him 35.1, let him opt out after the first year. But I don't think they wanted to go through that again. Because you do that, then you stunt the growth of one Jeremy Pena. What happens to Jeremy Pena, um, you know, he spends a whole nother year in AAA. And then, I don't know, like, is, is he your shortstop? And and because they thought he was ready now. So they put him in there. Um it's tough losing him because he's the type of player you build a statue for. He's the type of player that you want to remember for the rest of your life. But I'm telling you right now, Jose Altuve is the third greatest Houston Astro of all time behind Biggio and Bagwell. Jose Altuve will be the guy I would put my money on that will be in an Astros uniform his entire career.
0: Yeah, I would probably agree with that. I do think Carlos Correa is a stud and like a star shortstop. You can't replace the defense or the intangibles. But I do think you could kind of replace his offensive numbers. I don't think he was, uh, you know, an otherworldly offensive shortstop. I think
1: it didn't. In the regular season, he was, he had the one 2017 year. I think he was like 313. All the other Mm -hmm. years, he didn't hit over 279. Now the playoffs, Mm -hmm. that whole clutch gene that he's got, he can't replace it, but he's still got Altuve. You still So I don't know if you saw that someone created a graphic of Carlos tapping his watch, mm-hmm. and, and the word bubble said it's Jeremy Pena time.
0: <laughs> really? I didn't see <laughs> And it was Carlos. I was like, Curtis, like
1: wow. So, you know, the bottom line is this. The gold glove and platinum glove award picture that he took the other day in Minnesota at, at Target Field. Both of the hats he's wearing, they're Astros hats. They're not Minnesota Twins hats. Sorry, Twins. He's one and done. He's not staying in the Twin Cities. So don't fall in love with him too much. He ain't staying.
0: So any chance we do this little charade again next offseason and maybe the Astros get back on the
1: Correa bandwagon? You know, a lot of people wonder that. I just don't think after the Astros weren't willing to go to the Carlos Correa level dollars, that he would come back, it would it would almost be like, well, you know, when AJ Hinch signed with the Tigers, oh well, he'll be back with the Astros in two or three years. No, he won't, especially not the way they, not the way things went down with him. Mm-hmm. I don't think Carlos Correa because Carlos Correa will absolutely want a ten-year deal. Jim Crane will not sign a player to a ten-year deal for as long as we're alive.
0: Wow, that, that's interesting. I, I do want to know, like, what is the philosophy when it comes to Astros in playing and playing and signing players? Because do they have, like, a self-impo, self-imposed cap on how much they want to pay players? Because, I mean, Garrett Cole, he got, like, what, the fattest deal ever for a pitcher. Yeah. George Springer got, what, $150 million over five years or something. You see what Carlos Correa is getting. Is it just the fact that Astros don't think it's smart to pay
1: players, you know, $30-plus million? I mean, what, there's maybe two players Uh, Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez, who signed 10 to 12 year deals that actually won a World Series after doing so. Nobody else did it. Kevin Brown didn't do it. Um, You know, Fernando Tatis, he can't stay off a motorcycle. So, I mean, you know, I'm sorry. You know, George Springer went to the Blue Jays. They missed the playoffs last year. Uh, Garrett Cole can't even get out of a wild card game. So, I mean, you know, the proofs of the pudding. What team has been to the ALCS five years in a row? Not any other team, but the Houston Astros.
0: Yeah, the Astros are, uh, I don't know if they're my pick. I think a lot of teams are picking the Blue Jays to make it out the ace Oh, a- no, and I get that. Yeah. yeah. But I would not be surprised at all if it was the Astros. But I think one of the reasons or one of the keys that they need to make it back to the World Series is Lance McCullers. What's the deal with him? Because I, you know, I'm a big fantasy guy. Right. I'm always seeing him. You know, he's on like the, the waiver wire, but he's injured. Like what's going on with McCullers? You will hear that answer by Brett Wheelhouse. But first, I need to talk to you guys about Bilt Bar because this is the time of year that I pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm just sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Bilt Bar, because they are just low calorie, they're low sugar, they're high protein, they're high fiber, they're great for the keto diet. The reason why I love Bilt Bar is because I try to be health conscious. I try to work out every day. I try to go to the gym six days a week, but usually it ends up being four days a week. And I have a sweet tooth, but it's okay because whenever I think about reaching for a candy bar or a tasty treat, the only treat that I actually want to eat is a built Bar because it tastes like a candy bar, but it's not. It's not a candy bar at all. It's a protein bar that's super healthy for you, super tasty, super flavorful, and it's soft easy to chew, and it's covered in 100% real chocolate, and they got so many freaking flavors. My favorite flavor is the cookies and cream bar. Anything that's related to Oreos, I absolutely love. Just go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Right, right, all right, all right. Let's wrap up
1: the pod. A team in Major League Baseball that has six pitchers with a projected 1.5 war each.
0: Well, I just asked you a question, Brett. So why don't you tell me then?
1: It's the Houston Astros. Ah, The Houston man. Astros have one of the best rotations in baseball. And there's just... The proof's in the numbers. The, look at look at fan graphs, look at projections, look at zips, look at all these different analytical websites. The Astros really have a very, very good rotation. And that's this is without Lance McCullers on the mound. Jaco De Rizzi, if he goes out there and we smash the ball when Jayco De Rizzi is up, I mean, he's supposed to be the guy that's not supposed to be having success. And he went in there and he gave you, even, even though it wasn't six or seven innings, he gave you a hell of a start. And these guys not only have been doing that, but our 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 um, starters and our relief pitchers, actually our starters have the lowest ERA through the first several games, and our relief pitchers are doing some of the best on the mound. So um, this pitching staff, and we've got the offense, okay? This isn't the 05 World Series got swept by the White Sox team where we had all pitching and no offense. When this offense wakes up, you better believe we're coming for the Blue Jays, we're coming for the Mets, we're coming for the Dodgers. Nobody intimidates us in this league because we know exactly what we can do. This is Crush City, make no doubt about it.
0: I see Edward says Valdez is a top-end starter. I guess he didn't watch today's game then,
1: and he also doesn't think Marte's a superstar. Very questionable (laughs) logic, Edward, very questionable logic. Well, I would would go with him on on Valdez. I really think Valdez has – has a stuff. He has number one, you know, Mike Trout has only said there's one pitcher in the league that has the most devastating curveball and it was Framber Valdez. And he he does have this elite stuff. Literally 2 years ago he went and saw a psychiatrist that helped him focus cuz every team time he got on the mound, he started losing it, right? He would walk a guy and he would lose it. And I'll share this quick story with you. When we were in AAA back in 2019, this was before the Zach Grinke trade. We had interviewed Joshua Rojas, Brandon Belak, and Colin McKee. Um, Carlos Correa was there for a rehab start, and Framber Valdez was there on the mound. Framber Valdez walked six batters. My son is sitting next to me in the press box, and he looked at me. He was uh, 11 at the time or, or 10. He said, Dad, the pitcher looks like he's nervous. So what do you mean? He goes, he doesn't look comfortable he could see the stress that Freiber Valdez had on the mound. He's not that same pitcher. He is mm-hmm. a completely different pitcher. He's a remade pitcher. He's going to struggle. Again, like I talked about with his release point and his arm slot, it's very complicated. So if it's just slightly off, it throws everything off.
0: Yeah, I think Valdez is good. I just don't know if I would classify him as a number one or a number two. But I do, I do think he's a pretty good pitcher. But I got one last question for you, yes. H-Town, before we wrap up today. And it has to do with today's game. We saw extra innings once again and we saw the runner on second. I just want to know your thoughts on that because I'm pro doing anything that will make the game end faster. I think after nine innings, like if it's not a tie, get me out the get me out the ball game as quickly as possible. Like I'm okay if we just went extra innings, bases loaded. You get one out or two outs or whatever, make it sudden depth. I don't care. I'm trying to get out the ball club. So I don't know if the runner in second actually helps that because we saw the Astros go up one-nothing in the extra innings. And then what did the D back try to do? They just try to bunt, move the guy over, and then just wanted to do a little sack fly and keep the game going so i don't know if it actually speeds up the game but i'm pro anything in extra innings that will make the game faster if you just want to make it a tie game after nine innings i mean we're gonna play 162 of these i'm okay with that result as well
1: so i think i started the season hating it but I think it's inevitable. It's here. We, we might as well embrace it, right? If you're not going to do a home run derby like a shootout in soccer, yeah, because this cool. isn't soccer, that would be kind of cool. But you would have to take your guys that hit the least amount of home runs. It has to actually be a challenge. It wouldn't be like your Jordan Alvarez. Because you don't want to hurt your – I mean – because why do people not go to the home run derby? Because they don't want to get injured, because they know how much work it is. Those dudes break sweats during the home run derby. It's supposed to be fun, right? It's actual work. So mm-hmm. I don't mind the 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 guy starting on second base if it actually proves out to be it. I, I just the reason why I guess I don't like things is the reason why I don't like that rule. And I'll I'll wrap it up with this. Mm -hmm. It puts undue stress on the pitcher that he wouldn't then have had had that situation not be there. And to me, I I don't think that's fair to the pitcher. But just like I tell my students in the classroom, life's not fair. So that's just more adversity you have to fight through. Um, I know the pitchers, for the most part, don't like it. But you know what they're going to do? They're going to go out and they're going to shove and they're going to do their best to win.
0: And I would love the home run derby and extra innings. And it would be cool if we went with pitchers to hit the home runs because Ooh. the D-backs got one of the best guys in the league to do that and Madison Baumgarner. That's how I wrap it up today. Mic drop, boom.
1: Nice. I love it. You know, thank you for joining us. Miller, yep. tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, follow me on Twitter
0: at creatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for
1: the podcast handle. Awesome. Thank you. I'm H. Wheelhouse with Locked On Astros. I'm hanging out. And of course, Eric couldn't be here, but he sends his thoughts. Millard, I know we love having you on. And I love that our guests are interacting with you. We had some fun banter back and forth. Um, we got people like Kaylee, Mr. JC Willie. We got Edward. We got Mr. Sahim, and the whole crew I got, here. I gotta see Edward one of these days. Me Uh-oh. and I are gonna have to have a one on one. I think <laughs> that's right. Well, hey, come to Houston and we'll buy you a brew, okay? Hey. For for all of us here at Locked On Astros and the Locked On Network with Locked On Diamondbacks, Millard, the incomparable Shane Thomas. It's a good night and. Good luck Diamondbacks and go Astros.
0: That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Shout out to Brett Wheelhouse of Locked On Astros and Sully Baseball of Locked On MLB for hopping on the pod this week. Come back next week for more Diamondbacks news, coverage, and insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Go make your second listen Locked On MLB with my pal and hopefully your pal too, Sully Baseball. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Let's go D-backs! Deuces!